Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. All right. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Sean Hodges, is the president and CEO of Innovation Compounding in Kennesaw, Georgia. He also is serving as president for the International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists. Sean, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro or maybe share a little bit more about your personal life. Yeah, it's actually been uh, quite an interesting journey over the past uh, decade or so. So um, I'm a pharmacist, like you mentioned, graduated from Texas Tech School of Pharmacy back in 2001. Um, I had a fellowship program with uh, Eli Lilly and a visit called the Visiting Sciences Program, specifically studying regulatory affairs. I found it very interesting, relocated to uh, all the way from Amarillo, Texas to Washington, D.C., brought the wife and horse with me. So uh, it was pretty hard to find a horse uh, to to keep in in D.C., but we eventually found a place. Um, It was a one-year fellowship. Truly enjoyed it. Um, The opportunities that Eli Lilly provided. What we had um, discovered, though, is that I I missed the practice of pharmacy and being a pharmacist. So um, about engaged in a retail pharmacy community setting for about a year, but then I took a position with a a, a large mail order pharmacy that's provided uh, medications for hospice patients. And um, they had about at their pinnacle, about one in four hospices worked with this mail order pharmacy. Uh, at that, as part of that position, I was relocated down to Atlanta, Georgia for about and uh, worked in this position for about four years. But unfortunately, with that position, I engaged in a lot of travel. So I was sitting in a restaurant with my wife, um, Joelle, and we we're sitting there talking about what the future looks like. We didn't have any kids at the time. And um, and I said, you know, if I'm going to if we're going to have a family, I cannot be on the road uh, all the time. And uh, I'd like to, you know, maybe perhaps start my own pharmacy. And while I'm having this conversation with her. There was a guy in the booth next to us who um, said, excuse me, sir, I couldn't help but overhear you, but I actually own a compounding pharmacy and I'm looking this up. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool. So that was back in 2007. Um, we bought uh, Innovation Compounding and uh, bought um, into Miller Compounding. And at the time, Miller Compounding is only uh, doing about 15 uh, compounds a day. The pharmacist was just basically looking to retire at the time. Is uh, For the most part, it was non-sterile. Um, so we bought into it, and as the year has grown, that's been 12 years now. And so today we're uh, licensed in 47 states and uh, providing about ster- uh, about 60% sterile and about 40% non-sterile compounds in those states. And so um, it's been a, a, a great journey. <clears throat> I love compounding. I love uh, what it offers for both the patients and the providers. Uh, if you look at overall what pharmacy is, as, as pharmacists, you know, we always love to leverage all the skill sets that we that we were taught in pharmacy school. And I do believe that compounding really encapsulates everything that has uh, that, that pharmacy has to offer. It has a clinical component, obviously the pharmaceutical sciences, just the fundamental mixing properties and compatibilities of the products, but then also serving as a trusted resource for our prescribers has been huge. And so 
um, you know, that's that's been a very extremely rewarding um, aspect of compounding. I have absolutely no regrets entering into it. And um, and so the challenge now these days is really for us to keep that momentum moving forward. Um, what's what's interesting in our marketplace because of the new regulations that are coming down. It's, it's been interesting. Uh, you've got uh, the NECC that happened back in 2012, that only perished because of that, because of uh, basically engaging in manufacturing, uh, but using compounding standards. And so um, obviously Congress took that to heart, um, invoked DQSA, uh, talked about which was signed into law in 13, and really uh, is really just transcended the, the profession. Um, you look at uh, pharmacies that you know, normally we're compounding a product for 50 years in, in, certain, in, in certain manners. Now, unfortunately, they're not able to compound in that manner anymore. So really for us, um, we have one of two uh, options. We can either bow out as a pharmacy or continue to move forward. And so we've decided to move forward with it. And, and really the only way to keep, you know, compounding relevant is to work closely with those on the Hill. Um, we work very closely with uh, through ACP, the International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists, uh, the trade organization that represents a lot of the advocacy, if you will, whose sole purpose is to protect and promote uh, compounding, <clears throat> our goal is to work with those on the Hill um, to advise them of what's going on, what we're seeing from in the uh, congressmen's constituents' communities, um, how we have an impact in patient care, what our purpose is in the whole healthcare drug distribution spectrum, if you will. And the purpose um, of them is, is really to advise that <clears throat> we understand that all the issues that came down from, from NECC back in seven years ago you know, we understand we do not want that to happen again. But what we're what we're concerned about is that pendulum is starting to swing the other way a little bit. So there's a little bit of overregulation, if you will. So, for instance, um, the states uh, have, you know, for, most pharmacists and pharmacies report to the state boards of pharmacy as a 503A pharmacy. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the inspections that are occurring, especially by FDA, is inspecting pharmacies on a, on a manufacturing practice standards. And so, been very difficult for pharmacies to navigate through the regulation process, the inspection processes. Um, you see a lot of um, 483s that are posted to compounding pharmacies. Some of them valid or uh, a lot of them are not. And so what we have to do is our job is, as a trade organization is to advise Congress that, um, you know, there is a balance between access and quality. And we look to reset that expectation to make sure that we can both produce a high quality product yet meet uh, patients' health care needs. Speaking of education, are you aware of the 2014 drug disposal of controlled substances ruling that regards safe disposal of unused medications? Well, we're lucky to have RX Destroyer sponsoring the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. RX Destroyer ready to use chemical drug disposal systems are safe, easy, and affordable products, which protect the environment and can save thousands in fines. To get more information on products, training, and medication waste, compliance, check out www.rxdestroyer.com slash talk to your pharmacist. Yeah. Wow. Sean, that is really amazing. And, um, it sounds like your, your background, uh, really prepared you for where you are today. And, and even, you know, working with Eli Lilly on the Hill, you still, um, are able to continue that passion for policy and it helps to guide you with navigating all of the different regulations, as you mentioned. And I'm not sure if everyone is, is going to be, have the benefit of, of thinking about owning a pharmacy and, and saying that out out loud and their seatmate or, you know, someone right around the corner hears and it's like, oh, I've got one. Um, that That's really amazing. <laughs> um, so, Sean, you, you really uh, took that and sounds like grew it over, 
you know, have grown that over the past few years. Um, What are some tips that you would share as a business owner for pharmacists who maybe own their own business or are wanting to start their own business um, in order to be successful in the marketplace today? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think I think the number one thing, if you're going into pharmacy for the first time, is obviously you got it. You have to. It's absolutely paramount that you do your homework. Um, there's some old adages that that still apply today. Having a concise business plan. We we created a business plan uh, 13, 13 years ago. We still use. We still treat it as a working document today. So identifying what you want your pharmacy, the business model of your pharmacy, to look like in in the world of compounding, that can be. Uh, serving pediatric community, it can serve hospice, it could serve the integrative health or the wellness space, it could serve uh, veterinarians. So really constructing your pharmacy practice and how you would like for um, you to provide your compounds. So that I think that's that's the key. A lot of times when you start off in pharmacy, it can be a bit of a challenge just for the simple fact that you're, you're getting desperate. Um, you have prescriptions that um, are coming in the door, but you, you don't have the APIs to compound that product. And and working up the confidence to reject a prescription and say, you know, I really can't provide that to you for the benefit, especially when you're a quote unquote starving artist, uh, when you're first starting out pharmacy can be a difficult challenge. But at the end of the day, remaining focused on what you're looking to achieve in terms of that pharmacy, what types of compounds you like to provide um, will really get you going. And the other piece is I, I think the, the thing is, is to not be afraid to do everything. You're the if you're the small owner of, the, of that pharmacy, um, you know, getting out away from the counter, getting in front of your prescribers, forging uh, relationships. As we all know, your prescribers really are your customers. Your patients are your patients, but your prescribers are your customers. And so really working with them, advising them on what your capabilities are as a compounding pharmacy, um, providing that therapeutic benefit. From a, sp- from a sales perspective, prescribers do think in, in clinical soap note format. So ever since day one, we always come in at that P, if you will, and the soap note, the plan to help the prescriber initiate a plan of therapy for that, that's suitable for that patient. So um, putting that sales hat on um, and then, you know, you, you're in the mornings, you're visiting with your prescribers, you're doing the drug detailing, but then going back into your pharmacy in the afternoon to actually compound those orders that come in. Um, and it's obviously key to make sure you do the best you can to take care of those patients. Those are the ones that uh, report back to the prescriber their experiences with you. So they, they absolutely have a huge um, impact on, on the well-being of your pharmacy. So uh, taking care of the patients is key. As you continue to grow um, and really from a CEO, um, it's, it's for me, it's more about putting the right people in the right place. So as you continue to grow, you, you start hitting a threshold where you're taking your profits, you're putting it back into your practice, then building the infrastructure for it to really grow on its own. So Hiring the right people is absolutely key. We have um, we have 35 employees here at Innovation. Um, every single one of them is is a great team. Um, if I could, I would hire them all over again, only for the simple fact that they have absolute buy-in into the mission of the pharmacy. So um, they take it personal when we don't meet our expectations, our patients' expectations, and we do everything we can to remedy it. So really, once you get to that next level, is is taking care of your pharmacy, taking care of your staff, uh, and let them continue to contribute to the growth of your pharmacy. And really the third phase, and I think that's the phase that innovation's at, is really to work um, for the profession. So um, contributing to uh, IACP or other pharmacy organizations, APHA, NCPA, ASHP, what have you, really contributing to your uh, back to your profession is really is key as well. 
not only for uh, networking opportunities that a lot of us that have experienced through the trade organizations, but also um, just giving back to the pieces that we we work very closely, like we did, like we mentioned, with those on the Hill. Um, we do forge relationships with those at USP, um, FDA as well. We advise them of uh, any issues, Beth, both bad or good. And so having that working relationship to help shape their profession is key. Because if you don't, then somebody else will. And usually if somebody else does, it's not going to be to your satisfaction. Um, and then the other piece along that advocacy route is to work with your state boards of pharmacy. Um, you know, just taking a close look and uh, sharing with them experiences that you're seeing from a compounding level, sharing with them what we're seeing on the Hill as well, keeping the boards of pharmacy apprised of our activities key as well. So I think that's sort of the three big steps, overarching steps to, to running a successful business. Yeah. Wow. Lots of great nuggets in there, Sean. Thank you. And you, and just to drill down a little bit, um, I think that, that pharmacists, um, are really digging into marketing, not only marketing their services, marketing themselves. Um, you mentioned detailing prescribers. Do you, what percentage of time would you say is spent, um, towards prescribers versus patients? Or do you do a, a pretty good mix of both? Yeah, I think first starting out, it, it is a good mix of both. I think, um, you know, especially with prescribers and the early going to forge relationships. If you're a new pharmacy and you've never met with a, pharmacy, a prescriber before, um, you're, you're obviously going to spend a lot more time with your prescribers so you can achieve those, uh, obtain those prescriptions and then work with a patient. So um, really, uh, it sounds it sounds counterintuitive, but actually spending more time with your physicians, being a resource for them. And when I say more time with the physicians, it's not necessarily getting in front of the physicians in terms of the time, but it's the follow up that's required. So there's an old farm, there's an old sales perspective that if you spend one hour with a customer, you typically will have two to three hours of follow up. And I think that does apply for compounding pharmacies as well. So I think uh, spending that time in front of the prescriber understanding what their needs are, trying to get them to uh, give you anything that you can for follow-up to them to provide as a value add will be key. Um, but then obviously taking care of the patients as well on the back end. But um, as you continue to grow, usually that does change. Um, usually it, it winds up being about, you know, you're spending more time with the patients because you've established that trusting relationship with the prescriber. Then you, then you start focusing more on the patients. Okay, great. And um, USP 800 is is coming down the pipeline. What are some of the things that you guys at Innovation Compounding are doing to prepare? <laughs> That's a good question. So with, with 800, 797 and 795 all coming down the pipe, um, really for us, we had to pull the trigger and, and redesign our facility. So we are relocating to a new area. 800 for us is such a daunting uh, task for the fact that we, we've we historically have engaged in, in compounding in the quote-unquote hazardous substance arena, a lot of your bioidentical hormones. So, um, you know, moving from a positive to a negative pressure environment for both sterile and non-sterile um, has been key. So really for the last 18 months, we've gone through the design phase of, of uh, moving the pharmacy to a new location, incorporating all the new standards that required, especially the standards that were just released last month with respect to 797, 795. Um, so yeah, the, the, the standards have been constantly updated, and as a result of that, we're constantly updating our, our, our the layout of the new location. Wow. Um, so, Sean, as our final question, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists who are just getting started in their career? <laughs> Great question. I, I think... Uh, Get yourself a cup of coffee <laughs> and strap into it. Um, it. This has been an amazing journey for 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 myself, um, the people that we work with. 
I think the number one nugget is is to is to come in with a high energy and, and a high disposition. If you're if you're going to become a pharmacy uh, owner, uh, your team will look to you for guidance. They look for um, your emotional aspect. They they want everything that they can look for for a pharmacist, and they want you to be that person. So they do look for your leadership skills. And I think taking that um, that ability to support your team um, is going to be key as they as they continue to grow. Because if they grow, then and your pharmacy grows. Wow. So developing those leadership st- skills will certainly help you to lead your team. And Sean, great to, to talk with you and, and get to share a little bit about your leadership story and, and what some of the exciting things that you all are doing at Innovation Compounding. And so for our listeners, what are some ways that they can uh, find out what you're doing and, and connect with you? Yeah, probably the best way is to visit our website. We do have active blog posts. Uh, we do one or two blog posts a week. Um, simple as to go to innovationcompounding.com. Um, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about what uh, ICP, the International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists, can do for your pharmacy, uh, visit uh, IACP, which is, I believe, uh, iacprx.org, and um, they will be able to provide you some of the tools and resources to help uh, get your pharmacy underway. Awesome. Well, Sean, thanks so much for being a guest. It was a pleasure to have you on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.